Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butcher's Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cookinpellets.com to buy your pellets right now. Also by the Chops Power Injector. Forget about using one needle to inject your meats. The Chops Power Injector system has four needles for your injecting pleasure. You can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, KansasCity.com. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, you can visit kcbs.us slash samstour for results, to register your team, or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com slash shop. Hi, I'm Johnny Dam, host of the Damage Report radio show. When I'm not falling in love with the First Amendment all over again, I like to sit back, relax, and rub my meat to the Barbecue Central show. And now your host, Greg Rempe. Go, Greg. Yeah, rub that meat. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. And if you want to jump in on the show tonight, I'm more than happy to have you. It's a phone call, 216-220-0966. It is an email, if you would prefer, greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, this, perhaps 2016, is a year unlike any other that we've seen as it relates to the number of book efforts and its relation to the industry that we love to cover, that being barbecue and grilling. So it should probably come as no surprise that one of my guests tonight 
has written a cookbook. I'm sorry, has written a barbecue book, and it is due to be released in just a few weeks, September 12th to be exact. This one, a history book, a reference material, if you will, in regards to Virginia barbecue. Joe Haynes from OC Barbecue, obsessive compulsive barbecue, joins me to talk about his new book, the Virginia barbecue book. Then at 9.35, we have a kind of a special guest. Uh, Perhaps some of you would think him to be a celebrity on the Instagrams. I do. I follow him. He's got plenty of followers. Tens of thousands of followers. A lot of his posts getting thousands of likes. So you know we're going to be talking about the business of social media as well as just his cooking chops which seem to be flawless when you look at his Instagram. The uh, pit master of Zilla's Pit Barbecue, Big Perm, will be joining. Big Perm. I'm going to call him Big Perm, whether you like it or not. Then we're going to move to the second hour, and we'll get into the competition barbecue world. Last weekend, a rather large barbecue competition took place in Kennesaw, Georgia. The Pigs and Peaches Barbecue Festival, to be exact, a uh, Georgia Barbecue, uh, GBC, Georgia Barbecue Championship Qualifier. And joining me to recap that and his victory, the pitmaster of Moyers Competition Barbecue Team, Jeremy Moyers. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to come clean right off the bat. There is a 175% chance that I'm going to call Jeremy. Uh, wait, Jer. Okay, maybe I'm not now. Oh, there's. Ugh. I think now that I've said it out loud, there's no way I'm gonna say it. So uh, I am now gonna downgrade my 175 percent chance to 50-50 that I'm gonna call Jeremy Jamie at some point. I don't want to do it. I'm saying it out loud, so I don't. But I'm just putting it out there right off the bat. I know, I think once or twice during the Tim McKeska interview of McKessa, uh, McKeska brand sausages, I called him Mike. He said that was going to happen, by the way, before we even got on air. But I pride myself on getting names right. I mean, hell, I see an outline. I see his name, Jeremy, but I know I'm going to call him Jamie, perhaps once. I hope I don't. But Jeremy, I apologize right up front if I do. Don't think that I am disrespecting you in any degree. For some reason, Jeremy and Jamie are like, very tight for me when it comes to enunciations. So you have been warned, and I know the central lights will be out in full force, ready to take me to the carpet when I make that mistake. If. Let's say if. Jeremy Moyer coming up at 1014. And then to close the show tonight, of course, barbecue and grilling is inherently gadget-driven. I mean, we love I think we're in love more with gadgets and minutia of the industry than we are with the industry itself of barbecue and grilling. So 1035 won't disappoint. The creator and founder of Fireboard Labs Ted Conrad will be joining us and we'll be talking about the Fireboard. If you've been looking potentially for a new thermometer solution Ted might have a Kickstarter project that you want to get on board with take part in and then ultimately if he gets back then I guess we'll talk a little bit more about it in an hour and 25 minutes from now 
What happens if the Kickstarter doesn't get backed? Of all the ones that you've seen get funded, exceed funding by large amounts, how many are failures? What happens when the Kickstarter fails? Does the product never come up? Do they have venture capitalists waiting in the wings to charge them exorbitant fees on dividends? All questions we're going to be asking for sure. So there's your lineup. 914 Joe Haynes, 935 Big Perm, 1014 Jeremy Moyers, I almost did it, and 1035 Ted Conrad, 216-220-0966, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Let everybody know right now, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Pinterest, the Google Pluses that the show was on. Send them to my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. Send them to the longtime video syndication partner of this show, outdoorcookingchannel.com. And man, oh man, we are uh, ready to go. Ready and rocking. Also, Roku, right? Take a picture of you watching me on Roku. I might send you out a prize. It won't get out very quickly. Just ask anybody. Question. How awesome was Doug Tratner last week? Shout out to DT. What up, Trat? I thought he was a brilliant in-studio guest. Some of you were giving him a little shit for being barbecue elitist or hippie or whatever it was. But I thought overall brought some good energy, brought some really good background knowledge of Cleveland as a food scene. I mean, look, we talk about barbecue grilling a lot on this show, but of course that is food, so it's a food-based show. So I think there is absolutely room for Doug to be some type of a recurring guest, maybe not in studio all the time, maybe if he's around. He's a Cleveland Heights guy. It's not too far away, but I never want to feel like I'm impressing upon somebody that they need to come in my house in my basement. As I said last week, basements in Cleveland do not have a great relationship with each other, given recent events. All right, I'm going to shout somebody out right now, and not in a good way. Memo to Todd from Bark Bros. Send me your fashion shots of you wearing my Barbecue Central shoes that I sent you for free. How much did you pay for those? Nothing. How much? Nothing. That's right. So do what I ask you for crying out loud and take some action shots of you in my shoes trolling around your neighborhood. Dean from Michigan did it. He sent me three or four selfies over the weekend with him wearing shoes out in public. Those shoes. The ones I've been showing the last couple weeks. Dean did it. You aren't going to let some guy from Michigan show you up, are you, Buckeye? Come on now. Michigan owning Columbus right now when it comes to exhibiting the shoes. Come on. Come on, Todd. I know you're probably in here in the chat room. Do it. Also, shout out to a loyal centralite, Wendell Trotter. He has now been in Cleveland two times, like in two months or three months or whatever it is. I have been free zero times to see him. Zero times. And I apologize. Total douche move, I know. I can't go out tonight. He's like, I'm a free Sunday. I'm free Tuesday. Same as last time. Well, Tuesdays are out. Why? Because, you know, I got this little show that we do from 9 to 11. So last minute prep, last minute prep. But Sunday, the weekends are not my own. 
So if you're going to be in town, Wendell, you know, next time you're going to be in town, if you can give me any type of lead time besides just a few days, I'll do whatever I can to make sure that I can free up for some period of time to meet you. I mean, I want to hang. I want to drink beer. I want to throw barbecue. I want to do all that stuff with my centralites. I want to meet you and greet you. That's why Ray Lampy gave me like six weeks time because he knew got shit to do. Wendell, I appreciate the reach out. When you get back in Cleveland, give me a couple weeks heads up. We're going to be good. Appreciate you reaching out. Hope you enjoyed the city for the two nights that you were up here. Got some melt, I know. Probably going back to Mabel's tonight. All right, folks, let me talk to you about the one of the longest-running sponsors of the show now, Dave Bosca of Butcher Barbecue. Look, folks, I'm, I'm going off the uh, copy here, and I'm going to talk to you strictly tonight about grilling oils. And I'm telling you what, if Dave Bosca never made the injections, if he never made the rubs, and he never made the sauces, and he only made the grilling oil, A, I guess I don't know if he would be as popular and as successful as he is right now. It has simply revolutionized the way that I am cooking, whether it is at the stove, whether it is outside at the barbecue pit or at the grill. I always 100% have a bottle of butter-flavored grilling oil at the stove or outside when I'm cooking. Always. It is never not a part of an ingredients scheme that I have laid out or that I am actively taking a role in making sure that grilling oil somehow finds its way into a recipe. For instance, uh, the other night, last night, I did these really small-looking Yukon Gold-style potatoes, fired up the Green Mountain Grill, put them in there for a hot smoke roast, as Stephen Reichland likes to say, use some Big Papa Smokers uh, Desert Gold. But before anything, I dropped a good couple squeezes or a good couple circles of butter-flavored grilling oil to coat it, get a little butter flavor going on the outside, drop some uh, big kosher salt out there to adhere to the uh, potatoes on the outside of the skins, then dropped them in the Green Mountain Grill, roasted them up, and they were tremendous. I'm telling you, if it's not a prevailing flavor profile that you're looking for, if you want to substitute the normal butter thing or you're worried about it burning, the grilling oils, and they come in two different, fla- uh, three or two other flavors besides the butter. You have the chipotle, you have the steakhouse. You're going to find yourself using it more and more. Take my word for it. Go to butcherbbq.com right now and order at least three of the butter flavored grilling oils or try them all because the flavored versions, very subtle. They're not going to overpower anything. You're going to see that shelf stability means you don't have to put it in the refrigerator anymore. You're going to use it all the time. I use it all the time. No shit. I love it. I love it. I'm the biggest believer in grilling oil ever. I hope you try some sooner than later. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. We are back with Joe Haynes. Stick around. Be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. 
Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, $500,000 in cash to be had, plus eternal bragging rights if you win the whole damn thing. This weekend, the Sam's Club Barbecue Tour rolling into Ypsilanti, Michigan for a local qualifying event to keep up with the Sam's Tour to see results or to see where the next event will be. You can check out the website, kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. That's kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. All right, my first guest tonight has been on a long and exhaustive journey in regards to getting his history of Virginia barbecue book out to the consuming public. It is going to be available for sale on shelf September 11th, but available for pre-order right now on such uh, websites as Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Let's talk a bit about Virginia Barbecue with the author himself, Joe Haynes, joining me here on the show. Joe, how are you, buddy? Good evening. How's it going? Absolutely fabulous, Joe. Appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And uh, I guess as we kind of get started here, talk to me about the term barbecue, Joe, and how many versions do you see of of that word existing today here in the States? Wow. Uh there, there are a whole lot, obviously, you know, uh, uh, and no one can seem to agree on how to, um, you know, how to spell it. And with like just about everything else with barbecue, there are arguments over the correct way to spell it. So, uh, but you know, we've got barbecue spelled with a C, barbecue spelled with a Q, and then you got it abbreviated in various different ways, BBQ and bar BQ with the letters B and Q. And so, you know, that, that word, it's always been like that. Um, I've got a whole chapter in the book that traces the etymology of the word barbecue back, um, gosh, uh, to the 1500s when it was a Spanish and a Portuguese word. Uh, And then when it uh, became an English word, the first spelling, uh, actually, I kind of dug up some stuff that's older than the Oxford English Dictionary tells us about. Oxford English Dictionary tells us that the English word barbecue was first uh, first appeared in English literature in about 1661, but uh, actually found it in a uh, old uh, pamphlet written about Barbados. Uh, there was a fellow that lived in Barbados in the 1640s, and they were using the word barbecue there at that time, but he spelled it B-A-R-B-Y-C-U. Uh, so that word has been around a lot longer than we previously thought. And, and, of course, spellings from there just went into everything from barbecue to barbecue with a G to, you know. Uh, so finally in the early 1700s, around 1730, somebody actually put it in the English dictionary spelled with a C. And, and most dictionaries, and even the AP style guide says it should be spelled with a C. But nobody cares. Nobody pays attention to that. Joe, I think you kind of ran into issues with barbecue and southern barbecue with your book or, or at least in in a write-up with the washington post recently and there is some uh hoop de doo between southern barbecue and barbecue and if they're same and if they're different and so on yeah yeah exactly uh um you know whenever you talk about the origin of barbecue uh you have to be very specific because i actually the barbecue cooking technique is ancient Right. And nobody really knows where it started. I mean, I kind of suspect it was Africa uh, and, and Asia, maybe somewhere along in there. But um, but it's been around a long time. But 
the different styles of barbecue, right? They we can trace where those came from. The way folks cook barbecue out in California with Santa Maria style barbecue and that kind of thing, that can be traced back to the the Spanish and Mexican rancheros that existed out there in that st in, in that area before California became a part of the United States. And the same, you know, is true of southern style barbecue, right? Southern style barbecue is a kind of barbecue we eat in, in southern states. It's generally going to be pork or it can be chicken or beef. It's going to be pool tender, mouth-watering, succulent meat that's either basted with a mixture of oil, vinegar, salt, pepper, and some cayenne, or a sauce with those elements mixed into it served on the side. And that particular style of barbecue is what my book is about. So, um, you know, when say someone says, well, you know, barbecue didn't, didn't begin in Virginia. It's been around longer than that. Well, of course it has, but not Southern barbecue. Uh, and so the premise of my book is that what we cook today, uh, Southern barbecue, had its beginnings in the Tidewater region of Virginia during colonial times. It was a collaboration initially between uh, English colonists and Powhatan Indians. Uh, and then at about the after, sometime after the 1650s, Virginians started importing a lot of enslaved people of African descent. And it was after that time that, uh, that uh, the enslaved uh, Africans and African Americans that were here, uh, they began to perfect barbecue, as southern barbecue as we know it. And of course, from there, it spread from Virginia first into, actually, it spread first into Maryland. And then second, it spread into North Carolina, and from there, uh, North Carolina, next place was Kentucky, and then eventually Georgia, uh, into the Carolinas, Georgia, and then it went west. Uh, uh, I've got accounts of Virginia barbecues uh, by the early settlers in Tennessee and Ohio, uh, even uh, even out in Texas. Did, Joe, did you feel that there needed to be a, a just due given to Virginia? Obviously, I, I guess that's where you delineate between you know, where, where the Yankees live like me and where the South starts uh, more or less is Virginia, the, the Mason-Dixon line, if you will. Uh, but there are the well-known barbecue meccas that you mentioned just a handful as you were going through everywhere where it spread after Virginia. But Virginia, not typically on the list. Neither is Cleveland, by the way, so no big, uh, no big shake there. But talk to me about where Virginia fits in and perhaps why, more importantly, it's not as well-known as the other regions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, up until the mid 20th century, Virginia was actually a well-known barbecue destination. In fact, all throughout the 1800s, uh, the standard for barbecue was Virginia, um, even as late as the eight, as 19, the year 1900. Um, the World's Fair that year, I believe, was held in Paris. And when they selected barbecue cooks, American barbecue cooks, to come to Paris to demonstrate how barbecue, southern barbecue, was cooked, there were Virginia barbecue cooks that were chosen to do it. Um, and uh, another example is in the 1890s, uh, there was a fellow up in the uh, uh, Massachusetts area, Father Cummins. He wanted to bring what he called a real southern barbecue to uh, Massachusetts because obviously it wasn't necessarily a big thing there. Uh, for about 10 years, he hired a Virginia barbecue cook named George Allen from um, Lexington, Virginia, to come up there and cook the barbecue for him. Um, but as the uh, 20th century rolled on, right, uh, there, there were all kinds of, and I talk about it in my book. There's a chapter called v Virginia, the Mother of Southern Barbecue, and I show how 
how barbecues, big barbecues, grand barbecues declined, uh, not just in Virginia, but all throughout the South, and the things that, that caused that decline. Um, by the time the, uh, uh, the, the late 50s, certainly the 60s, it was getting on a roll, uh, uh, people that wrote about barbecue began to um, start this, uh, this modern mantra that we have of North Carolina, Texas, uh, Kansas City, and um, Memphis. And of course, um, there are people, you know, in, in, like in Kentucky and Georgia that have tremendous uh, barbecue traditions that, uh, that are like, hey, you know, uh, we, we cook barbecue a little different here in Georgia. We cook barbecue a little different here in Kentucky. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, North Carolina, Texas, Kansas City, they get all the press. Um, but uh, in Virginia, I think a lot of it, what happened is the old timers that cooked the barbecue, they either passed on uh, and closed their restaurants or catering businesses and the people that came in to take them over, the ones that, that continued, didn't necessarily understand the history that they had. In fact, I've talked to people that own barbecue restaurants in Virginia that were started years ago and new owners took them over. And I know the history of the places better than they do. And uh, I know of one particular place that they serve an authentic Virginia-style barbecue sauce that can be traced back at least to the 1800s wow. and it's it's prevalent all over the south side of virginia and they i asked them what kind of sauce it was and they said it was a southern barbecue sauce and i was like you know actually this is a authentic virginia barbecue sauce and it turns out the people that originally started the restaurant years earlier were from the dinwiddie petersburg region which is where that sauce is most prevalent so a lot of it has to do with people just don't know uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that um uh, uh, for example, in Richmond, back in the 60s and the 70s, some people uh, from North Carolina moved into Virginia, and they started opening these barbecue restaurants. And these Virginians had never really tasted anything exactly like that because our barbecue sauces and flavors are a little different, slightly different in some cases, and quite a bit different in others. But anyhow, they would taste it like, what kind of barbecue is this? And the people would say, well, that's North Carolina barbecue. And so I think that a lot of it was where Virginians were eating barbecue, and then they go to these North Carolina-sourced uh, places, and they notice North Carolina barbecue. It's kind of like you don't go to China and and <laughs> order Chinese food, right? right? You just order food. Um, but when you come to this country, you order food or you want Chinese food, you order Chinese food. And so in Virginia, you either order barbecue or North Carolina barbecue. So I think that some of those dynamics were in play as well. Um, but but there are a lot of, a lot of those kinds of things, um, I believe, that impacted – on why Virginia barbecue kind of dropped out of favor with the press. Um, and, and I think, of course, the multitude of voices have a lot to do with it as well, right? Uh, one person writes about barbecue in North Carolina. Of course, that's, you know, people that grew up in North Carolina, that's what they know. And so they write about North Carolina barbecue. And then somebody doing research wants to write about it. They, oh, look, North Carolina barbecue. And, and they kind of feed off of each other so that now uh, this barbecue that's cooked out in Kentucky where folks take uh, – you know, Boston butts and they freeze them and slice them thin on a bandsaw and barbecue them and serve them. Nobody even, that's not even considered in, in the mantra, but it's a, it's a, it's a tremendous barbecue tradition they have there as well. So, you know, I have it all documented in the book. It's one of the bigger chapters. There's a lot of dynamics in play there in that, but 
but those are, are some of them. Um, those are some of them that, in, anyway, within the time that we have to talk about it. <laughs> that I, jo- that Joe Haynes talking to me about his book, Virginia Barbecue. His website, by the way, ocbarbecue.blogspot.com. And you can pre order the book right now, amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. We'll be on shelves September 12th. Joe, you know, I always love hearing about the insider info on business when it comes to books. And look, I mean, there's a lot of barbecue cookbooks out there. Perhaps this year spawned more than any other year in recent memory, the number of cookbooks. But yours is more the research and a reference offering versus the cookbooks that you've been seeing stretched out since the beginning of the year. Are you contacted by a publisher to start this or are you pitching it and hoping to land somewhere? Um, I had both things happen. Um, however, you know, when you, if you want to do something like this, right. Um, if you can get a publisher, that's great. Um, but the publisher is going to put a lot of demands on you. And, you know, I I had a joke when I was dealing with these publishers and negotiating a deal. I I had a little joke with my family here and I, I would say in my French accent, my best French accent, which is really bad, I'd say, I suffer for my art, right? Because I, I felt like the French artist that that had somebody financing him, telling him what he had to say and what he had to do with his art, right? But you're going to have to make some compromises with your publisher because you really want to be a partner with them, right? And so you have to help them uh, understand what their needs are for a product from a business perspective uh, and kind of balance that with what you're trying to do as an author and what you're trying to say and trying to accomplish. So... Um, my book is a paperback, right? It's right here. And the reason it's a paperback was part of the compromise with the publisher. I wanted a lot. I wanted to write a lot more, right? In fact, I've got like two more books coming out. Um, but uh, in order to get to the a little over 70,000 words, uh, we compromised and said, okay, no hardback. We'll go paperback. And it, to me, it was worth it perfectly fine because I got more material in the book. So if you can find a publisher... Um, great, but just be ready to work with them to um, be able to build a product, put, modify your book in a way that becomes a profitable product for them, and you'll have a really good partnership. So you're bringing a finished product to a publisher, basically, this time around, and since then you've negotiated multiple books to spawn off of this one? Uh, no, I have not, actually. Um, uh, I have... Um, very interesting, right? One of the books that I've written uh, that, that was actually mainly material cut from this book, a publisher was very, very interested in it, uh, a very prominent publisher, and I was very excited uh, until one of their editors asked me to cut something that I felt to be one of the capstones in the book. Um, for example, I was writing about Gus Jobert, the famous uh, Kentucky Burgoo cook. Every, everybody's written about Gus Jobert. I I dug down deeper and researched into this guy and the people that worked for him, and I found three of his African-American cooks who actually did the work. I have their names. I have information about them, um, various other bits of information that I feel is really the capstone of the book. It's information that I, I, that's the kind of thing I like to focus on. The publisher didn't like that part of the book at all, and they felt that it offered nothing to the book. And to me, that's one of the main reasons for writing the book. So I, I kind of backed out of that, and I'm redoing that book, and I may even self-publish because I don't want to deal with that kind of thing. Um, the book, uh, the material in the book, I think, is very important. It's material that no one's ever written about, and it actually credits the people that did the work of cooking things like burgoo, Brunswick stew, barbecued hash, 
Um, and, and it has a little different perspective than every other book like it on the market and has a lot of information that's not found in those books as well. So uh, if, if, if I can't find a publisher that, that you know, likes what I did and can, can't see the value in that, well, you know, hey, uh, there are all kinds of self-publishing options out there as well. Joe Haynes joining me here on the show talking about his book, uh, Virginia Barbecue, which is available pre- uh, pre-sale right now, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble.com, and on shelves September 12th. Joe, an interesting fact about you, you wrote the Virginia Barbecue Proclamation, which passed as a House Joint Revolution earlier this year where it was resolved that May through October of each year is Virginia's official barbecue season, so certainly pretty cool. Why is it important for you to pursue considering that and getting it pushed through on a kind of national level when, well, for you know state level when on a national level memorial day through labor day is widely considered to be a barbecue and grilling season anyway yep yeah it, it is um however um the the uh, old accounts that i have of virginia barbecues they talk about the months may through october as being virginia's barbecue season so it's kind of a tradition in virginia that virginians have kind of forgotten about um also um it's um it, i think important to have some um official recognition of barbecue and barbecue history in virginia uh because part of what i'm doing you know is is like just like what you mentioned right what do you mean virginia barbecue well we're we're we have some great traditions we have some great uh restaurants with some original authentic virginia barbecue recipes that that i trace in the book you know back 100 years with virginia cooks and other virginia cookbooks and I just felt that um, if we're going to be serious about this in Virginia and we're going to re-embrace our, our, our traditions with barbecue, then, then let's do it right. right? Let's, let's go ahead and uh, let's do it like, uh, like the, old, you know, the old-timers did it in you know, May through October is barbecue season in Virginia now. Now, we eat barbecue and cook barbecue anytime, but uh, in, in recognition of our traditions, um, officially now, May through October is barbecue season in Virginia. And I kind of like that. I think that's pretty cool. Joe, a lot of people in the chat room are noticing that you got a hot stack kind of off to the back left there. Are you uh, you heated up or what? A uh, hot stack? Was, oh, <laughs> my guitar amps? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got some back here behind me, and I got a few more on the other side of the wall. That's where I hang all my guitars. I'm in my music room uh, tonight because it's kind of quiet back in here. Uh, another interesting point is you're the guy that, uh, written, that has written and also uh, – this is not a word, musicaled or uh, made music to the uh, very popular barbecue song Pitmaster, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun doing that. That that song was actually inspired by the fellow that taught me to cook barbecue when I was a teenager. Um, but it kind of melded into a tribute to all of the great folks, men and women, that uh, cook barbecue nowadays across our country. So uh, just something I threw out there. And, and, of course, Operation Barbecue Relief. They kind of inspired the last uh, the last stanza there, where uh, you thank the good Lord above that he's a pitmaster. So, and you know, I say he's a pitmaster simply because of Pete White, the, the guy that taught me, the late Pete White, who taught me first person to teach me about cooking barbecue way back in the seventies. Joe Haynes is ready to be thrown out onto the shelves September twelfth, but in lieu of that, you can pre-order your book through Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. It's the Virginia Barbecue Book. Joe, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks a lot, Greg. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You got it. There he is. The guy that sang and wrote 
voiced, did all the music tracks. He tracked it. Is that what they call it? He tracked it. The song Pitmaster. Everybody knows the song Pitmaster, right? Well, he lights the fires down low and slow. He's stoking those coals to the smoky glow. You know that one? Everybody's got it on their iPod, I think. All right, that's Joe Haynes. Go get the book. ocbarbecue.blogspot.com. Joe, I mean, you can't bone out for your own website here or what? Come on. All right, check out his book. Thanks again to Joe. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the Chops Power Injector System 2015-2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year. They come in three awesome sizes. Let me tell you about them. The half-gallon Chops Power Injector System, designed for competition or to pump up the Backyard Warrior. So easy to use, right? Clean it, fill it, pump it, and away you go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. Comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three-plug screws, a needle protector. This one is $100, plus you pay shipping. Then you have the one-gallon chops power injector system for the catering and bigger jobs. If you cook, uh, I don't know, whole hog for MBN, or maybe you're doing 10 shoulders to get that perfect one, this is the one you want to use. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. This one's $120, plus you pay the shipping. Then you have the Chops Full Power Injector System, the electric, the commercial and competition Big Daddy. This one's not a holding tank, nay. It is a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. That's right. From a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum, it was originally designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. And he said time and time again that with the Chops Full Power Injector System, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with a metal needle adapter, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, 2-inch, 11.5-gauge needles, 3-plug screws, and a needle protector, $325 plus you pay shipping. A number of the top pitmasters in the country and world are using the Chops Power Injector System, making their barbecue better than the rest. We're foodies. We live in a world where you need flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. And it's not just for meat. How about injecting alcohol into watermelon or other fruits? Every injector, handmade in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. You want to shoot medium ground spices? They got you covered. How about the uh, closed tip? Perfect for shooting fatty meats to keep from plugging up the needles with fat. That's right. Chops Power Injector System. Give your barbecue some power. Visit them on the web, barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. That's funny. We were just talking about how you spell barbecue 50 different ways. Well, that's a different way. B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, barbecuekansascity.com. That's barbecuekansascity.com. We're back with Big Perm from Zilla's Pit Barbecue right after this. Stick around. Seven seven four four eight zero four three three to get on the air. Now here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you need something to house a lot of food, they got one for you. How about something medium size? Maybe you don't have a big family. Maybe you don't cater. Whatnot. Hell, 
What is this? What the hell is that? I don't know what the hell that is. Never mind. If you need something small to take on the tailgates, no problem. They got you covered there, too. Yeah, we love it. Green Mountain Grills. If you visit GreenMountainGrills.com, you could start loving your own. It's Greg from Barbecue Central Show. I guess my I, I gotta you know I gotta validate myself to you know get to Zilla. Uh, you visit GreenMountainGrills.com. You could love your own Green Mountain Grill just like I love mine. All right, joining me now is a barbecue and grilling legend on social media, especially on the Instagrams. He's whipping up incredible barbecue delights and putting them up there for everybody to see and drool at. What does it take to get where he is? And what is his background in barbecue? Let's head to the hotline and find out. Please welcome the pit master of Zilla's Pit Barbecue, Big Perm, joining me here on the show. Big Perm, what's up? Hey, hey, how's it going? Absolutely fabulous, Big Perm. Appreciate you joining me here on the show tonight. So, I mean, you know, I got to ask, Big Perm, huh? Absolutely. Uh, it was a long story. Uh, well, long story short, I used to own a little ice cream bin service in high school, um, and I was kind of like in the rougher parts of the neighborhood or the city altogether. As a matter of fact, so they knew I was a guy that kind of you know I took care of the kids and everything else, but they knew I didn't take any taking any stuff off a lot of people, basically. <laughs> so, uh, kind of a term of endearment, more or less. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the kids. Love the community. Love the community any way I could help. I absolutely would. But they also know, you know, I was always about taking care of business. And what I was doing that day knew, hey, I was the guy to come to. Big Perm joining me here on the show. You can follow him on Instagram at uh, Zillas, Z-I-L-L-A-S underscore pit underscore BBQ. And uh, give him a follow. You won't be disappointed. So give me some background on you, Big Perm. Uh, you know, how are you growing up? Uh, what's food play a role in your upbringing? And, and more or less, how do you get into the whole barbecue scene? Well, when I originally um, started barbecuing, it was just kind of a little novice thing, looking at my dad probably at the age of 13, a little bit younger, and just kind of taking notes on how he did some little small things as far as like burgers and hot dogs and stuff like that. Um, but the thing with that was my dad, he wasn't a true like smoker type of guy. I went with my uncles for that, and they are from the country. Uh, I was born originally in West Tennessee, um, maybe less than 100 miles outside of Memphis, a little small town called Brownsville. And we had a nice 200-plus acre farm where we had a lot of wild livestock and everything else kind of growing there. So the food source was plentiful. <laughs> the food source wasn't an uh, issue. And what we done was um, every Sunday they had two services. Um, usually when they had two services, they'll either have dinner in between or lunch in between, however you want to call it. And the older gentlemen, as similar to my uncles and kind of the other deacons and stuff, they would actually go out and begin to roast ribs or, you know what I'm saying, maybe a whole chicken or something like that. And I always took to that crowd, the older crowd. I always liked to learn and see what they was dabbling with just to be, you know, just to be a little kid, you know, just being nosy, trying to see what's going on. So, and then after I got done doing that, um, it was more or less like, okay, I could do that if I wanted to. It was fun. And I'm like, you know, maybe later on down the line, being a kid, you don't think about stuff like that. But once your dad and your uncle's like, hey, you're 16 now, 
I'm gonna start looking at the football game now. Around halftime, the third quarter, you're gonna have to start manning the grill because we're a little bit too into the third quarter for us to be manning the grill. Chances are, all the food to get burned. So I began to basically start really paying attention to them in high school, my early years, my freshman and sophomore years of high school, and saw how they tended to the grill. Um, they did a lot of smoking of food, um, whether it be um, pork chops, um, pork tenderloin, ribs, pork ribs, because pork is really prevalent down here. Pork and chicken is really key. Uh, we didn't do a lot of beef back in the early 80s and uh, even the early 90s. Uh, the more beef scene came here in the early 2000s up to today. So I always want to make sure that if I was going to do something, they told me, hey, if you're going to cook, you're going to have to cook it right or you're going to have to eat it no matter how bad it is. So pay attention to what you're doing. So um, after messing up one time, <laughs> I pretty much paid attention while I was doing that because they were like, hey, look, we can't afford for you to mess up our food. We just, we just can't, you know. People need stuff to kind of like go off of for the rest of the week, you know, as far as lunches and stuff like that. So you just can't mess up that food. We was hard-pressed for cash, so to speak. You know, we, we didn't have a lot of luxuries. A lot of our luxuries were kind of like, interactions with we other each other the time we spent with each other that were that was our luxuries so when we had food and food was really scarce we wanted to make sure that not only did we take time with the food that we cooked but you know we want to make sure that we appreciate it all the time that we put into our cooks as well Big Perm joining me here on the show from Zilla's Pit Barbecue you can follow him on Instagram at Zilla's underscore pit underscore BBQ uh, you know, Perm, we know Memphis, obviously, a barbecue mecca in this country known throughout the land, but what about the rest of the state? Are there different regions within Tennessee, and, and you find different styles of barbecue, or is it kind of one and the same? Memphis kind of speaks for the state. No, uh, it's definitely um, regional. Um, you have West Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, where I'm currently located in Asheville, and you have the Eastern Tennessee and the Eastern Tennessee caters more towards the Knoxville, where it's a heavy vinegar-based style um, sauces and even the foods, the way they actually marinate their foods as well. So it's, it's pretty, the, the state's almost divided in three different sections, but they all tend to blend their styles. The West Tennessee, or the mid, or excuse me, the Middle Tennessee, they do a lot of borrowing as far as like style from West Tennessee, because a lot of individuals migrated from the small fields and stuff to come to Nashville to go to either high school or college or get some kind of education. So they brought those styles with them. Talk to me about catering. Are you, are you into that? Do you cater for hire? Are you just cater for friends? What's your deal? Well, the way I set up my catering, um, which is, is really crazy how I got into it. Uh, we began doing competition barbecue and we began to win, uh, a large number of awards, and my wife was like, hey, you know, we may be on to something. <laughs> um, just see how the catering whole deal starts. Let's start with a party that she knew someone needed some barbecue because barbecue really begins to start to take off. Uh, we started, let's say, in 2014, around 2015. People were really wanting stuff like that at small gatherings like uh, celebrations, retirement parties, weddings. So she was like, hey, I have some individuals that want to do that for a retirement party. They want to do some stuff like finger food. So let's see where it goes. Let's see how far, you know what I'm saying, goes from this point forward. So the first one we've done, it was, it was a blast. We had more fun than we ever anticipated. Uh, 
then we began to doing stuff like pop-ups, pop-up locations. Uh, we started telling individuals like, hey, um, this day, this time, we'll be serving this off our menu. And our menu would consist of whatever is on our feed as well. Um, all the social media feeds, we'll link them together and say, hey, we'll be at this location at this specific time. If you're available, come stop by, give us your honest opinion. And if it's not good, you know, we're not going to charge you for something that's not good. We just don't believe in that. We want to make sure that we give you the top quality of barbecue that we absolutely possibly can because there are so many different outlets here. You can really get ran over. So before we even begin to be absolutely serious about what we're doing, we want to make sure we're putting out the best product we possibly can. Big Perm joining me here from Zilla's Pit Barbecue. Um, Perm, I'm wildly fascinated. You know, I'm becoming more and more educated on the inner workings of social media. And, you know, I see the number of your followers, uh, 35,000 plus. I see your likes per post and you hit, you know, a thousand plus uh, like on a regular basis. Typically, you know, those numbers, especially on the likes, are targets for companies to start looking at Instagram accounts and, and kind of approaching those people to do some partnerships. Are you able to make any money off the Instagrams yet, or is that something that you're hoping to do if you're not? Well, not as of yet. I haven't got any kind of sponsorship or anyone looking to sponsor me. And I think it's more or less because I call myself a poor man's barbecue. Uh, if you look at the type of smoker that I have, I don't have a hot dollar smoker. Uh, the smoker that I have is maybe something like three, four hundred bucks that you can pick up a, either at your local hardware store or one of your local supermarkets. And what I like to do is, you know, I like to do a lot of education as far as like reading up on what I'm interested in. So I got Franklin's Barbecue Manifesto, and he taught me how to pretty much tailor my smoker and customize it to the way I can get the best possible usage out of it. And by me doing that, you know, I I don't want to be that individual that say, hey, you know, I have a $3,000 smoker, <laughs> but I want you to try to cook the same product that I'm cooking. I want to go through the same nuances that you're having. So I have something to relate to you say, hey, okay, this may happen, but I want you to understand that, look, I'm going through the same issues you are, and this is how we talk each other through it. And I think that's what's, what's gathering the followers and the likes so much because it's so relatable. I want to make sure that I'm giving them something that's authentic. I want to give them something that they know that, hey, each and every day, if I come to Perm with a question, he's going to give me the absolute honest truth. And if I don't know something about it, we're both going to go together and find out the correct information because, number one, with barbecue, there's no right or wrong way to do it. The only wrong way to do it is when it tastes bad. So no right or way. no right or wrong way on barbecue, but talk to me about the building of the social media following, and you've talked about it here the last couple minutes, but as you look at some other accounts and you see the wild follow numbers and the wild like numbers, do you find that there is a right and a wrong way to build your social media brand moving on? Uh, for me, I want to stay true to the what I call the barbecue roots. Now, a lot of individuals, they go out and buy a high-dollar cut of meat, and a lot of individuals can't relate to that. You know, when you spend a four or five hundred dollars for a cut of meat, chances are you're you're pretty okay as far as financial. Now, the crowd that I cater to, they're the they're the guy that's going out five, six days a week to work, and then next thing you know, that seventh day your daughter has a birthday party, but 
the wife don't have anyone to come and do any kind of catering. Or you just don't have those finances. So what I try to do is I try to help the guy that don't have that kind of income to bring out the best possible cook session that he can to say, hey, you know, I don't have two or hundred, even a hundred dollars to purchase just on meat. But you know, I can get these select cuts of meat, and what I can do with them is make them look as if they are those upper echelon cost and cuts of meat and cook it to the point. And that's the beautiful part of barbecue. Well, you can cook those scrap pieces of meat. And people are, people become so surprised how wonderful they taste. And you tell them, like, hey, this is what this cuts of meat costs. This is what I'm doing to take and tenderize and moisturize and create different flavors. They get more astounded by you being able to do that with small cuts of meat than it would if you spent four or $500 or even 100 bucks for a steak because they know you took time out to make sure that it matters. You know, those things, you know, if I want my daughter's birthday party to be remembered by, hey, dad had a great cookout. You know, we may not have a lot of money to get toys and gifts and games, but we had a gathering that you can't put a price tag on. And that's the kind of experiences I want to help create. Locally, are you a guy that likes to or have you put on classes and, and barbecue demonstrations, things of this nature? Yes. I put on um, small demonstrations to individuals like, hey, you know, I, I thought I was a good barbecue, but I heard from other people, family or friends, that I could use some help. What will it take for me to, you know, say, just to get a little upper leg from where I am right now? And trust me, everyone has a starting point. I had a starting point to where... It was some stuff that I wanted to throw in the trash, but I knew I don't have the finances that week to, you know what I'm saying, to discard meat or money like that. So I had to sit down and take the time and, and teach people and, and not treat it as a secret and not treat it as it's the last gold nugget on the face of the earth. Because once you give out that knowledge, people understand, like, man, they respect you more because you're willing to give that to them. And they know it's wholehearted, and they know that whatever you're trying to give to them is beneficial. It's not to be detrimental towards them. Big Perm is the pit master at Zilla's Pit Barbecue. You can follow him on Instagram at Zilla's underscore pit underscore BBQ. Manzel, really appreciated the time here. Great getting to know you. And, you know, let's hook it up for some, you know, backyard cooking tips as we move forward, man. Absolutely. Hey, any way I can help my fellow barbecuer, uh, smoker, cooker, uh, I have a plethora of different styles, smokers and grilled and cookers. So if there's any way I can give a hand or lend a hand to help and make that, make that one cooking experience memorable, that's what it's all about for me. All right, Perm, thanks so much, man. Thank you. There he is, Big Perm. Zilla's Pit Barbecue. That's Zilla's underscore pit underscore barbecue. I think one of the things I'm coming to learn as we become more and more Instagram savvy, you got to take really good pictures. And I think phones, by and large, have become really good picture-taking apparatuses. Not DSLR per se, but in a pinch, they're great. Perm is putting up some spectacular pictures. If you don't have Instagram... You should just download it. Don't bother taking any pictures. Just follow him and drool pretty much the rest of the day. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. 
manufacturers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in the backyard, in the competition circuit, in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has a unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking, grilling, 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, or Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in an oven, you can make in a Cook Shack, especially jerky. It's a jerky making machine. It's a little song I just made up. Cook Shack electric smokers are jerky making machine. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Here's a little rhyme I say each and every week. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit the website, cookshack.com, and let them know that the Barbecue Central Show sent you their way. Let them know. Their support of the show is reaping their rewards. Consider the sponsors. That's all I'm asking. Cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Big Perm from Zilla's Pit Barbecue. Again, on the Instagram, Zilla's underscore pit underscore BBQ. He's got fantastic pictures. If you visit my main website and you buy off of Amazon, Amazon, please use the Amazon.com link at the top. And then purchase through the website. We get like a little bit of a referral fee or something like that. Yeah. I think I signed up for that whole affiliate link thing about 10 or 11 months ago. Today, 11 months later, $90 richer. Here comes retirement! Oh, yeah, yay. Anyway, every little bit helps, right? That money gets dumped right into the show. At some point next year, we're going to be rebuilding the Tower of Power, which is code for my computer. I'm smelling 12 cores. I'm swelling swelling and smelling. Multiple uh, optical outlets for multiple monitors and camera inputs. and We got the studio set up. Next year, in 2017, is the year of the Tower of Power upgrade. 
We're either gonna get it like a super cool case, like a super cooling case, so it doesn't whine as much as it is now. I have a fan blowing on it right now. It's so hot. We might just locate it outside the studio. We're gonna drop air conditioning in this studio for next summer because it's friggin' hot, like you wouldn't believe. Right now, I'm next hour. I will be glistening right here. The light's not helping. I know. All right, that was Big Perm. And before that, Joe Haynes, that was your first hour. Uh, Joe, by the way, has the book out, Virginia Barbecue. So if you're interested in reading up on the uh, Virginia Barbecue book, September 12th, it's on shelves, Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com for pre-orders. By the way, we'll give away a new book as we go from one hour to the next. If you can email me, the Commonwealths of the United States, the Commonwealths, you get a free autographed copy of Joe Haynes' book, Virginia Barbecue. So do that now as we get ready to switch over to the second hour. Send me a list of all the Commonwealths of the United States. There are not many, but they're tricky. And don't cheat. I mean, don't cheat. I'll know if you cheat. All right, uh, we're going to refresh drinks here. As we step away from the first, going to the second hour, lots to get to in the second hour. Your phone calls and emails as well, 216-220-0966. Email greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. John Solberg did take a picture of me on Roku. Congratulations, John. No prize needed. All right, so I won't give you a prize then. How about that? All right, uh, we will be back right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Renny Kanaw for ChampionshipBBQ.tv, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine, how's it going? We have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet for wiener. But listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Hey, welcome aboard, folks! You found the Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We do the show right from here, Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am the aforementioned Greg Rempe, and we are off and rolling. If you missed the first hour, where were you? What are you doing out there? You can get the show on podcasts starting at 11.55 this evening. Uh, Let's see. Greg, are they trying out for volleyball there 
for the regular season. Like J.O.? No. Uh, we already did uh, summer tryouts for high school. Uh, Bobby made varsity at the new high school. And they are now in the regular season for uh, varsity high school. We are currently 1-2. and two. We should be 2-1. and one. We should be 3-0. and oh. But they're 1-2 and two right now. So, high school volleyball well underway. J.O. tryouts uh, end of October, I believe. So, we'll see how it goes. All right, John Dawson is in. We have the Commonwealth of Virginia, correct? We have the Commonwealth of Kentucky. We have the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And last but not least, the one that everybody misses, John is the exception to the rule, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So John Dawson wins the Commonwealth's battle. Ooh, Shane Fuller very close, by the way. Kentucky, Virginia, PA, and Massachusetts. Shane, you were right. You're just late. John, send me your shipping info. I'll get it over to Joe. And you can have a copy of his book, Virginia Barbecue. How about that? You can do it. Hey, John, you're a winner, everybody. Yeah. Still to come on the show tonight, none other than Jeremy Moyers from Moyers Competition Barbecue and Ted Conrad from Fireboard. Look forward to that. The Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour rolled into uh, South Wind... No. Jeez, oh, Pete. Rolled into North Charleston, South Carolina for a regional final this past weekend. And the top 10 teams, that's right, locals are six, regionals are 10. There's five regionals, 10 times five is 70. There's 70 teams in the national final. Wait a second. There's 50 teams in the national final. And the top 10 teams moving on to Bentonville later in this season are as follows. And in particular order, winning it, Grand Champion with a 695-3 Wolf's Revenge Barbecue. Congratulations, Wolf's Revenge. Reserve Grand Champion, Sauced Barbecue Team, 694-8. Number three, Road Hog Barbecue. Number four, Apocalypse Now. Number five, Checkered Flag 500 Barbecue. Number six, Slaughterhouse Five. Number seven, Smoking Buttheads. Number eight, Smoke in the Mountains. Number nine, Palmetto Pitmasters. And rounding out the top ten and moving on, Smoke Stack Redemption. Uh, roughly 12 points, a little less than 12 points from one to ten. And a good four points keeping one and two apart as well. So Wolf's Revenge with a convincing victory and uh, quite a great scoring top 10, I might add. Just shy of 700 points and not far away from 700 points in 10th place, too. The next Sam's Club event, as I mentioned in the first hour, coming up this weekend, 9-3 in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Can you believe that Thursday is September? 2016 rapidly coming to a close. Do me a favor. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
please troll my social media outlets. Facebook, which is uh, now not my personal page. I've jettisoned that off. I'm not even... If you're friending me personally on Facebook, I don't want it. What are you talking about? We just got a new computer and we're going to find Facebook and friend you on Facebook. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to Greg. I'm on the phone. Who? Greg. He's your son. He does the show. You know, we've made fun. I mean, we've talked about him before. On Tuesdays, he's in the basement uh, talking to people on the internet. Oh, yeah. I like the show. That show's a good show. What's he talking about again? Barbecue. He talks about barbecue. Listen to me. Honey, forget your father. We bought a new computer, and we were just hooking it up. And it makes all of these noises. Bing, bong, bing, bong, bong. And then here we are talking to people all over the country and world. We're so connected anymore. So we were going to get on the Facebook and friend you, but I'm hearing you talking about how you're not going to be friending anybody on the Facebook. Well, it's not that I'm not friending anybody, but if you would just go to my show page and like that, then that would be better. I mean, I call you on the phone. It's not like you need to be my friend on Facebook. Oh, I see. Mr. Big Shot over here. I can, you can't be friends with your mother on Facebook, but when it's convenient for you... Or uh, when you need some type of recipe instruction because you struggle in the kitchen, you have no problem dialing up my real phone number, do you? You won't send me a Facebook chat or anything. It's not like that at all. I just don't want to deal with the personal page and also the, you know, just like my show page, Mom. What are you talking about? Look, it's hard enough for me to sit here and get on the line, and now I have to, like, how many different pages do you have? Forget it. Let me do you a favor. I'm not going to friend you, and don't call me anymore. How about that? I think my mom just hung up on me. Mom, are you there? No, she's gone. I've done it this time. I've pissed her off. Craziness. What'd you hang up on him for? He's a good kid. He's so hard on him. He's just trying to make it down there in the basement. Just mind your business. I'm just kidding. All right. Tomorrow, please troll my social media outlets. Uh, not the Facebook portion, of course, my personal page, but the show page. If you were watching the show last week in the first hour, Doug Tratner, Cleveland Scenes, food writer, Food writer extraordinaire, by the way, widely, widely. I know, but John, it just happens out of the blue, so I'm not even setting up for it. Otherwise, I would. I would have a whole thing going. Off hours from one week to the next, you're going to be proud of me next week if it comes up, John. I promise. The show write-up. Originally, let me give you some backstory. Doug Tratner got a hold of me about three weeks ago, and we were trying to... He just wanted to come in and observe me. He didn't know that I had a show here in Cleveland, barbecue you know, becoming wildly popular all over the place, especially here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city. And he's like, man, I can't believe you've been doing the show for so long. I didn't know about it, but found out about I want to come and watch you and see you and just kind of do a piece on you. So tomorrow, Cleveland scene 
in print runs an article, an expose on the Barbecue Central show. How about that? Very exciting. I have no idea. I didn't get an advanced copy. I don't know if he's going to say, hey, he's just a hack or he tries to sound like this guy. He's got no original anything, whatever. So we'll all see together tomorrow. I'll post links online. Uh, But if you're in local Cleveland, please do me a favor and go to one of the scene boxes and grab a hard copy. It's like Pokemon Go. We'll call it Barbecue Central Show Expose Go. And take a picture of wherever you are. Send it to me. I'll hook you up with a little prize. It'll be great. We'll meet together. We'll do like a meetup, M-E-A-T, a meetup at Proper Pig. I'll buy dinner for everybody that shows me a copy of them in front of the Cleveland Scene Box, you know, holding the article. Post it to my Facebook page. And then we'll figure out who the winners are. We'll have lunch together. It's going to be great. We'll have lunch at the proper pig. I know those guys. So be wary tomorrow for the posting of the Barbecue Central Show expose from Cleveland Scene, clevelandscene.com. Troll it yourself. Start following Doug Tratner and see what happens. I don't know. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you've been thinking about automatic pin temperature control devices for your cookers, and stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why are you going to buy from any other company? I don't know. Maybe you're not familiar with how these little beauties work. I'm not going to get into the minutia here, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and one set keeps it running at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. This is real life. You can take advantage of this technology right today because... Maybe you're a busy working professional, or perhaps you are constantly on the run with kids, doing errands. Quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. The Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. There's a number of different models to choose from. We talk about two here on the show each and every week. Number one, the Party Q, which is like the cruise control of pit temperature control devices. Not a lot of overly techie stuff. It's a one-pit temperature situation. You set your temperature you want it to set at, stick the probe in the cooker, and boom. It's a self-contained device. It runs on AA batteries. Come on. you kidding me? Or if you want, like, I don't know. You want to run two pits? You want multiple internal temperatures of meat? Do you want to hook it to a Wi-Fi? Do you want it to emit its own Wi-Fi? Do you? CyberQ Wi-Fi is the one you're going to want to look at. Look, here's the bottom line. Pricing for any of the Barbecue Guru automatic pit temperature control devices have never been lower than they have been this year. They took all distribution back. They're doing it all in-house now. They've dropped prices across the line. So it's not like this is a one-time deal or special deal now or whatever. Forget that. This, this, low pricing all the time. Go to thebbqguru.com and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly. Don't guess, please. 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. That's 800-288-GURU. Or visit thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we are going to be 
finding Jeremy Moyers from Moyers Competition Barbecue Team to recap last weekend's big win in Kennesaw. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, wildly, there are bets abound that either uh, A, I'm not going to be able to afford lunch because there might be upwards of 50 to 60 people that could be doing the old selfie. The Pokemon Show. Can we call it Pokemon Show? Why not? Let's just rip it off. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Uh, this portion being brought to you by the Barbecue uh, Barbecue Central Show's official pellet sponsor, CookinPellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers, not just one or the other, all of them. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. My first guest in the second hour has been a longtime Central Light and who has also been on the competition scene for quite a while. This season, he is having a great year, currently ranked. This is going to sound bad, but, I mean, it's really good when you consider the amount of teams. Currently ranked. 217th in KCBS Team of the Year point standings. And this past weekend, his team took grand champion at Pigs and Peaches Barbecue Festival in Kennesaw, Georgia. This happens to be a GBC qualifier, by the way. Here to recap, the weekend is the pitmaster of Moyers Competition Barbecue Team. Please welcome, first-timer to the show, per se, Jeremy Moyers. Jeremy, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg, how's it going, man? Uh, absolutely fabulous, Jeremy. Appreciate you making time for the Good. show. And uh, a couple different places that we can start here. I guess first place first, right? Let's get some background about you and how you kind of got involved and or introduced to the competition barbecue scene. Sure. Um, I'm originally from Lubbock, Texas, um, West Texas, and uh, my granddad was a barbecue man, so I was raised, I mean, our family you know, Thanksgiving, we had brisket instead of turkey, you know, um, just was always around it, always helping him, you know, tend the fires and, and brisket and ribs. Of course, in Texas, it's all, you know, beef pretty well. And we had a restaurant growing up. He, you know, cooked. My grandma ran the bar. He was kind of one of those things, just always around barbecue. Um, fast forward a little bit in 97. I'm also a musician, so I moved to Nashville in 97, kind of chasing the music dream. Um so that got me from Texas to Tennessee, um, was on the road playing music for about eight years, moved, wound up moving to Atlanta when I got off the road in 2005. And just after being here a few years, I was talking to my wife and just, you know, we couldn't find any good brisket here. It's great pork, but being from West Texas, pork wasn't my thing. I wanted brisket. So I told my wife I was going to buy a smoker and just do it myself, you know? And, uh, about that time, a pitmaster season one was coming out and I saw that, you know, and, you know, I thought, man, that that's that's pretty fun. You know, looks looks like a good time. What else can a you know forty year old fat guy be competitive at? So my neighbor and I there at a local contest in in U Harley, Georgia, in 2012, and we thought we would you know throw our hat in the ring. We jumped right into the pro side. We never cooked any backyard, and we got a call in ribs, and the rest is history. You know, uh, more money than I care to admit 
has been spent chasing this this hobby <laughs> in the last four years. Jeremy, talk to me about you know the music scene. How far did you get along yeah. that road before? And I guess how do you decide enough's enough? Because you know you always hear about oh I, I did it for X and then I finally got discovered, or then there's some people that did it for like three weeks and boom they're discovered. Uh, what was your particular right, sure. situation like? Well, um, I played in a band. I uh, played steel guitar and guitar, and I played in a band called Lone Star. Um, Lone, and, uh, like the real Lone we, Star? Yes, sir. Wow, sure, sure thing. Jeremy um, Moyer's celebrity on the show here, by the way. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, so my whole family's musical. My dad uh, was a musician, played on the road. My granddad, um, you know, played with Buddy Holly and Waylon Jennings and a bunch of guys. So the music just kind of bred into us. Um, so that's all I ever wanted to do is play music. So um, in 97, I moved to Nashville. Richie McDonald, our singer in Lone Star, is also from Lubbock, Texas. So I knew him, and he, they were looking for a steel player and called and said, hey, man, you know, we're, I know you're thinking of moving to, to Nashville, and we're looking for somebody. If you want to join the band, we'd love to have you. So I lucked out, and when I moved to town, had to get with Lone Star. And I was with them from 97 to 2005. So that was a pretty incredible ride. Um, got to do, you know, see the country, got to see the world, got to do tons of TV stuff, you know. Um, Leno got to do the Grand Ole Opry in my household, the Grand Ole Opry's, you know, that's that's the, you know, about as big as it gets. So to be able to do that was was just incredible. Wasn't, um, wasn't the, the, the guy from Big and Rich uh, lead singer for Lone Star at one point and he got booted out of yeah. the band or something like that? Yeah, John Rich um, and Richie McDonald were, the first two records they split singing so john sang about half the record and and richie sang about half the record and so when i got with the band um john was still with the band and uh, in fact we were roommates for a while when i first moved to town he's like man where are you going to live i'm like i don't know yet you know i just pulled into town hopped on a bus and was gone for three weeks got back to nashville and didn't know <laughs> where i was going to land you know no apartment no home no anything i was just kind of winging it and he said man i got a basement come live with me so i moved in with john for a while and he's just a great guy um you know if he's your friend he's your friend for life and, and just was was extremely helpful so i can't say enough good stuff about john um but in 98 they split and uh and uh, he went off and and did a solo thing did a solo record first then he and big kenny got together and did the big and rich thing and and they're still you know of course hitting it hard you know i, I see pictures of them all the time still just selling out arenas and, and doing huge shows and so I'm, I'm happy for their success. You did, know? You, did you ever get a reach back from, from him when they started getting on the road saying, hey, you know, come on over here? Or were you pretty much out of it at that point? Um, when he did a solo deal, we went out um, a couple of times and he tried to get me to, you know, to, to come on to his ship, I guess you'd say. Um, but the Lone Star guys were so good to me. You know, I mean, in Nashville, I was kind of equated to, um, it's like a big merry-go-round. It's really hard to get in that circle yeah but once you get to know a lot of people in the town and, and you've kind of proven yourself to be able to play and to be a good guy because i mean you're on the road you're on stage an hour a night but you're living in a tour bus 20 the other 23 hours so you have to be a good guy and get along with folks and whatnot um so once you uh have kind of proven yourself then a lot of opportunities come up that hey uh you know the the guys in rascal flats when they first started going i knew um, them, they were playing with a girl named Shelly Wright before they got their record deal. So they got their deal and they called and, Hey, you know, we need a still player. Would you want this gig? And so you get a lot of opportunities like that, but the Lone Star guys really took care of me. They were, they were like family, you know, you, you, 
spent eight years on a bus with 20 guys like that, um, <laughs> traveling 200 days a year, that becomes your family. So I was just always preferred to kind of stay low. They had been low to me and, and stay with them. And it was a great ride, you know? Um, but eight years of it, you know, I'm married now. I have four kids and, uh, it's tough when you have a little one and then you run up to the West coast for six weeks, eight weeks during the summer and you get home. And you know, when you've got a six month old and you're gone two months, there's a lot you miss. Um, so it just got to a point where the traveling all the time just wasn't worth it. You know, um, I had accomplished everything I'd ever wanted to, uh, in the music world. So Jeremy Moyer is joining me here on the barbecue central show. Moyer's competition, barbecue Pitmaster. So let's uncomfortably transition out of the really cool music talk and go into barbecue. <laughs> I could talk to you, you know, probably for two hours about the music stuff, but uh, nevertheless, uh, who makes up sure. the team? Is, is are you a one man band? Uh, wow, pun intended, I guess. Um, or do you have like multiple people? <laughs> What's the deal on the team? Yeah, well, my neighbor uh, Bill Bradford, um, he's you know my, my best friend, and and we've been neighbors for about eight years now, so. We were getting together at the lake cooking some, and then the contest came up and said, hey, man, let's go cook this contest. So we've been cook- cooking together the whole time. Um, uh, he works for me, so we've got our trailer backed up to the office. And so, um, like this year, um, we started cooking for the West Coast offense for Sterling Ball and those guys. And so we got all the new rubs, and so every day at the office we're practice cooking. And so it, being neighbors and working together and, and having the opportunity to cook a lot um, has, has really helped us this year. Um, and, uh, and making the transition, you know, between our old cooking process, what we're doing now. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so, so Bill and I have been cooking together since the beginning. What kind of a pit are you using right now for competitions? Uh, we're using Southern Q smokers, uh, Scott Smith, Q and Stephen Bruin makes them here in Equus, Georgia. Uh, we've been on them about three and a half years. We cooked on Jambos the first year, year and a half, and I uh, got tired of not sleeping. So uh, we're big fans of the Guru. <laughs> so we were cooking a gravity feed Southern Q limo. All right. Uh, so Jeremy, talk to me about this past weekend again. Uh, you take GC at the Pigs and Peaches Barbecue Festival, which is a GBC qualifier. Just give me a kind of a general recap of the weekend. You know, anything out of the ordinary that you had to put up with, or was it kind of a, a run of the mill cook in that regard? Yeah, it was a pretty run of the mill cook. Um, Pigs and Peaches. It's a it's a big um, festival, lots of teams, um, you know, two or three stages of live music, you know, rides and, and, uh, zip lines and all sorts of stuff for kids. So, you know, I, I haven't heard numbers for this year, but, uh, but, um, last year, I believe on like Friday night, there was 80,000 people there, you know, so it's a, wow. it's a big gathering, um, lots of partying. It's, it's not like your typical sleepy barbecue contest around this area. You know, it, it's really heavily trafficked by the public. Um, so it's always a little crazy trying to get in, trying to get out. Um, you know, when you're there, you're stuck for the weekend pretty well. Um, and, uh, get to see a ton of people, a lot of people stopping by wanting to poke their head in, um, and, uh, and see what you're up to, you know, and ask a lot of questions and whatnot, which we always enjoy. Um, so it's a fun kind of, this is our fourth year cooking out, I guess. Um, and, uh, we won it in 2014. Um, and so this year to win it again was it was extremely exciting. Um, the cook itself, though, everything we thought, you know, went well. It's it's funny, as usual, we thought like our pork was our best category. We thought, well, our ribs, we may not get a call in, and we wound up getting a third place in ribs and a tenth place in pork. So you just never know, you know. But we were happy with everything 
uh, that we turned in and how, how the cook went. From a consistency standpoint on the categories, ninth in chicken, third in ribs, 10th in pork, third in brisket. So, I mean, you're either almost one or the other, depending on what category you were turning in. So I would imagine you would take those results kind of weekend in, weekend out if you had the opportunity. Uh, absolutely. We always talk about that. I'll take a – one of my pet peeves a little bit um, about a lot of contests are – they'll call top 10 in categories, but they'll only call like reserve and grand overall. And it's a lot more difficult to pull together all four categories into a good cook than it is to, to nail chicken, but bomb everything else, you know? Um, so I would absolutely would rather take um, the consistency overall four categories. I mean, that's how you win a contest is, is, you know, four top 10 calls. You're, you got a pretty good shot at it. Um, and uh, so I wish more contests personally would call, deeper in the overall and pay deeper in the overall than they do in individual categories but that's you know that's my beef (laughs) you know um jeremy moyers joining me here on the show talking about uh this past weekend in kennesaw so you know talk to me a little bit about that jeremy especially it seems recently there's been a lot of conversation about cost of competition some suggest that more specialized the meats have become the more it's been perhaps excluding some of those who can't afford to keep up with the joneses if you will do you have a take on the cost of competition and if it's kind of inadvertently becoming an exclusionary type of a situation sure i think it definitely has a tendency um i don't think it has to be that way you know i can tell you our team um you know we've had a good run this year we've only cooked five contests so far um because i own a business and and just busy with life but um when we've cooked we've we've done really well um and we, i know a lot of other teams that are doing well like we buy our ribs and our, our pork at walmart you know we're using smithfield extra tender stuff right out of the the, the uh you know out of the the meat department at the walmart here in cartersville georgia um our chicken we're buying at the Publix, which is our local grocery store. Um, we do cook Snake River Farm briskets, but nothing else is this specialty stuff. And it's it's a lot cheaper. It's local. We're not going to three or four stores. I don't have to order special meat in. There's none of that stuff going on. Um, so I think sometimes um, people tend to maybe lean on that a little bit, but it, you don't you know you don't have to. Um, the um, um, it's to me it's it's more about just and i know this is going to sound over oversimplified and it probably is but just cooking the meat till it's done nailing that tenderness i've cooked all sorts of 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 you know high-end pork and and ribs and spent all sorts of money and and had it uh not had any better results than i do with this walmart meat we're cooking you know so i'm a big proponent of trying to keep the cost down um, these guinea pig contests that Sterling's doing, I think are a great idea where the meat's provided and you've got, you know, entry fee includes all of that, um, because it does lower that, that, you know, barrier of entry. Um, but if you look at the entry fees, I mean, they're not out of hand. I know, you know, quite a few friends who are contest promoters, um, and just the expenses of that's involved in power and, um, you know, the waste management side of it and, you know, bring the property, the payouts, everything involved, you know, 250 bucks for an entry fee just isn't bad. 
um, in the grand scheme of things. So you can buy your meat at the local grocery stores like, like we are, and you can win with the stuff. There's a ton of teams winning with those. You can keep your costs down. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of people where the, you know, they get intimidated or think the cost of air of, of entry is getting high is seeing these big rigs out there and all the fancy trailers. And, and don't get me wrong, we've got a nice trailer with restrooms and bunk beds and the stainless kitchen and all that stuff. Um, it's more out of convenience because it's easier to set up and tear down and, you know, come in Friday and get out Saturday and, and everything else evolves. Um, so I think we do need to protect against that a little bit, but I think that may be a little overstated by some people. Um, I know you can definitely win contests without having to buy all this, you know, especially meats that everybody talks about. Jeremy, do you see a separate sanctioning body developing at some point that takes, you know, the top X amount of teams and kind of go to a major league of sorts and, and actually get rewarded with some kind of decent money and promotion and, and sponsorship at some point? Or is that a lot of continued talk, but there isn't going to be any fruition to that? Sure. I could see that happening. Um, I don't want to open a, a can of worms here, but I think they better get some of the judging stuff taken care of first. Um, you get serious money on the line at some of these contests um, and have some of the judging issues that's been having lately. Um, and it happens to all of us, and it's the game we play, so I'm not sitting here whining about it. Um, we cooked Diller, Georgia, three weekends ago. We had three good calls. Our pork, we won our table on. Our average, our daily, our score was higher than the, all the judges' average daily scores for that day, and we still got 33rd in pork. That, that made us finish 11th place overall, where had we have gotten like a 23rd or 24th place pork, we could have won the contest. There again, that's, you know, in retrospect, so if we had this, if we had that. But if, if you've got big money and big sponsors online, this is, you know, if you've got a, a Sam's Club, you know, Bentonville kind of payout, and you get your judge's sheet to see you land on some table of death that hasn't been policed, uh, you know, I think that needs to be taken care of before that next level comes into play. Jeremy, where are you going to be competing at next? Um. We've got smoking butts and tires here in Conyers, Georgia. Then we're going going out to Sam's Club Bentonville after that, um, and then we've got three or four here around Georgia. There, and we we've cooked you know twenty twenty five contests a year in the past. This this year, business is too busy and and family and everything. We're just not getting to cook out much you know as much as we like. We'll probably do ten or twelve contests by the end of the year. Jeremy Moyers is the pit master of Moyers Competition Barbecue Team. They took GC at the Pigs and Peaches Barbecue Festival this past weekend. Jeremy, really appreciate the conversation tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Greg. You got it. There he is. Former Lone Star steel guitarist and guitarist Jeremy Moyer. Andy barbecues really well, but who cares? That was a, I had no idea. Did anybody else know that Jeremy was like a world-class accomplished musician who was on tour with a real lone, like with a real band, not like most of us who dream about being in a band? For instance, let me give you an example. Uh, at Ohio University, I may or may not have been known to sit in with Shade Tree, the band, and sing because I have golden pipes. I wrote a song once and I sang it out. I'm not kidding. However, 
that success did not parlay into a really accomplished and solidified country music act coming to me and going, hey, we loved your act so much in Athens. We'd love you to go out on tour with us for eight years. Wow. Jeremy Moore is famous. And I never called him Jamie, not once. (laughs) I knew if I said it out loud enough times, I would put up that mental roadblock. Thank goodness for me. All right. We have Ted Conrad coming up out of the bullpen to talk about the fireboard. But now I will talk to you about a company that Jeremy is sponsored by. Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue, featuring a comprehensive selection of all American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself in recent years by winning an award-winning line of championship rubs. The rubs have won almost every major barbecue competition, period. They've also banded together with fellow California-based rub company, Simply Marvelous Barbecue, to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. The other competition stuff that BPS is involved with, their own contests, King of the Smoker, Guinea Pig, as Jeremy mentioned as well. On top of all that, Big Papa has created a unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, please keep this in mind. Big Papa's has been able to do all of this with only four years, I'm sorry, with only five or six years being in the biz turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, that being BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Again, the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. All right, we are back with Ted Conrad from Fireboard right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. This portion of the show being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories. Purveyors of handmade in the USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket hot chimney grillers, Heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. The fine products from Unknown Smoker Accessories keep your gear where it needs to be, at arm's length and ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today, and you can use promo code REMPE, R-A-M-P-E, for 10% off your entire order. Again, that's unknownbbq.com slash shop, discount code REMPE for 10% off your entire order. All right, my last guest tonight, looking to make an impact in the thermometer market sooner than later. They are currently in the midst of a Kickstarter initiative with 15 days left. They're about $9,000 away, at least from last check, from reaching their goal of $20,000. And here to talk about the product and why it's different from anything else on the market is founder of Fireboard Labs. Please help me welcome Ted Conrad to the show. Ted, how are you, buddy? 
Hey, great, great. How are you? We're Thanks doing, for having us on. Yeah, absolutely, and appreciate you making time, Ted. So I guess before we get into the Fireboard product and project, a little background about yourself and what your professional background is, and then I guess where the, the love of barbecue might come in. Right. Well, you know, it's kind of a funny story, as uh, all of us, we kind of have, we kind of meander around, and I started out really in the investment world and really been there for 14 years. And then actually a neighbor down the street got me into barbecue and kind of competition cooking with some friends. And I thought, you know what, this is really interesting. I kind of jumped into it and then always have been in technology as well and thought, you know, I kept on looking around for stuff for, you know, wireless remote tracking when we're doing all these, all these cooks. And so really kind of the combination, if you will, of kind of a hobby and then interest in technology kind of uh, brought me in here. So it's been kind of a fun, uh, fun adventure and decided really about a year and a half ago. And with the, with the good college friend of mine, Stephen Brigham, we actually jumped into this project and uh, it's been a wild adventure, but it's been fun. Ted Conrad joining me here on the show. Uh, the website, by the way, fireboard.io, is that right?.io? Yes, correct. Yep. Okay. So if you want to check it out here while we're talking, fireboard.io. And let's talk about Fireboard here, Ted. Certainly, there are any number of thermometers and automatic pit temperature control devices on the market today, perhaps now more than ever before, uh, just like cookbooks, it seems. What did you see missing in the market that Fireboard, at least in your opinion, will help solve? Yeah, well, I guess the, the, the first thing was really for us and it probably starts with what a lot of people are doing. But if you're if you're working on a, a smoke or a cook, and you know if you're if you're out there three, five, you know, ten, fifteen hours, I mean, you want to have a good idea of what's going on. And obviously, temperature, as we all know, is is so important. And so, I found myself just wanting to be able to take a step away if I went down, you know, to the store, if I went over to the neighbor's house. And just be able to see a live, real-time view of what's going on. Um, and then I guess when I started to look, what I found was that there was nothing really simple. So if we think about what we're doing here at Fireboard, it's really three things. Um, you know, number one, we want to make it extremely simple. You know, I think people these days want to take it out of the box and expect it to work. Um, the other thing is really key is just to make sure it's affordable. You know, we can't spend three, four hundred dollars plus on a gadget. And then the last thing is really to make it smart. Um, and there's a whole lot really that goes into that. And I can probably get into that later. But it's really just all the features that are built in. And I found that the products that are out there, I found there are some features here, maybe some features there, but not one product that brought everything all together. Ted, here, here's what I think about the general public, and I'm a little more harsh than you. I think the American public wants everything, and they don't want to pay dick for it, and then they still expect it to be as easy as you say. So uh, that's great in being you know, the lazy American that wants everything for nothing. But from a business standpoint, how are you able to position that a you know to the marketplace but more importantly how are you be able to do that from a financial standpoint and in good business to accommodate what the consuming public wants but also remain in business and be profitable 
Yeah. Well, that's a great question. One way to answer it is we started this beginning of 2015. And I mean, everybody knows the last, you know, 30 years, technology gets just cheaper and cheaper. But really, just the last couple of years, the prices of these connected sensors and these connected little small computers, which is really what the Fireboard is, it's just this tiny little computer. The price of that has come down so much in the last couple of years that now we're able to build in all those features to the thermometer. And really, five years ago, four years ago, we could not have done this. It probably would have been close to three or four hundred dollars. So it's just the last couple of years that's kind of allowed us to do this. How does the product work? And and I guess, and I'm flashing some pictures up here as we're talking. I don't know if you can see that or not, but. Uh, give us kind of a you know a mental picture of what it looks like and how it will operate. Yeah. Well, okay, so the main idea, <clears throat> we have six channels. So that was one thing that we heard from some year, early users of our beta devices. But, you know, instead of having two or three, let's make sure we have plenty of channels if we need them. So there's flexibility there. Um, and then really you take it out of the box and the nice thing is with the Fireboard, it connects over Bluetooth. Basically, you turn on your phone and the Fireboard and you're paired up. It's basically ready to go. You can use it over Bluetooth if you want. But the nice thing is what's, what's beautiful about the Bluetooth is to set up your Wi-Fi, it's basically a one-step process. I mean, you just type in you know, your Wi-Fi access point and your password and you're good to go. So that's extremely, extremely simple. You don't have to plug in USB cables or, you know, go into a bunch of router configuration settings and all that. Connects right to our cloud, our servers, and you're good to go. Um, And then everything else beyond that is pretty straightforward. I mean, you can set up alerts. You know, it gives you a nice graph of your cook. Obviously, it gives you you all the real-time temperatures as you're going, and it streams over right to your phone wherever you are. So could I literally be in the grocery store five miles away and see how the temperature is rising or declining, or do you get out of range at some point? No, as long as you're, yeah, I mean, it's all contingent on just having access to the Internet. So, I mean, your phone, as long as you have data, then you're good to go. Is the product... 100 percent reliant i mean i love kickstarter as as much as the next guy well you know let's save that question for a little bit later in the interview (laughs) but um so how much you foresee this product retailing for yeah we we are right now at the 189 price point um there are some factors and really as you can imagine it's it's really about volume you know as we can produce more and we can start pooling together larger orders. I think it's entirely possible that that price could move down. I think it's it's pretty easy to see that moving down to 179, and it's potentially possible to move that down to 169 if we can really ramp up in size. When you say it has six channels, is one of those reserved for the probe that would actually go into the cooker to monitor, or? Uh, is there, I guess, seven with, with six having all these additional inputs with one being dedicated to like a, a pit temperature temp probe? Yeah, well, the way it works is our our probes, and we can actually 
there's some there's some photos, but there's several different variations of our probes. But you can basically mix and match. So if you want to use, you know, three different ambient probes, you know, two different food probes, that's just fine. We actually have it's interesting out of competitions. We've had guys that will use, you know, two different smokers side by side and they'll have one fireboard, you know, so they're monitoring the ambient temp in one, the ambient temp in the other one. And then they have like three things, you know, and with one smoker and two in the other one. So you've got a whole lot of combinations. It's really however you want to use it. So the probes just plug in. They work the same way if they're ambient or if they're if they're the meat probes. Is there a temperature restriction? Can you get up to seven, eight hundred degrees, or is it more of a, a barbecue temperature safety situation? Yeah, that's a great question too. And we we went through a lot of of, of if you will testing and research with that. So our our probes and the wires are rated up to seven hundred sixteen Fahrenheit, which gives you obviously. I mean, that, there's tons of headroom there for the low and slow stuff. Um, and honestly, it works really well, even on the grill, you know, if you're trying to get something up to, to pretty high temperature there. In regards to the cloud, you had mentioned that, you know, once you're up and running, it connects to your cloud. So do you have to set up an account and then you have access to, you know, a certain amount of history of stuff that you have cooked? Or if I started in June and five years from now, I could go back and see that first cook in June. Yeah, it, we've designed this. I think the best analogy, it's almost kind of like a Fitbit. You know, it's kind of like a, a fitness tracker for cooking. And it, which in, in that regard, I mean, I've, I use, actually, I've used a Nike running app for years. You know, and I, I always enjoy going back and looking at, uh, there's a graph, there's one view, I think it shows you the graph over time, you know, way back for, you know, 10 years ago, how much were you running? And uh, I, I foresee the same thing with Fireboard, where we'll keep all that history. I mean, the storage is pretty cheap, to be honest. Um, the only limitation we put on the users uh, for, the, for the consumer side is really just that they can't run it for 24-7, 365. You know, that just becomes a storage nightmare on our part. So as long as they're just storing, you know, barbecue whether it's, you know, a certain cook here and a certain cook there, then, you know, we'll keep that storage online and they're good to go. Uh, battery operated or do you need some type of, a, you know, ACDC situation to keep it running? Yeah, that's the fun thing. We built this. We wanted to make sure it could run. So it'll run 24 hours on a battery. So, I mean, you'll be set up, you know, honestly, for for your longest cooks. Um, and it's micro USB. So, I mean, if you want to run longer, than 24, you know, you just pop in one of those little external battery packs and you're good to go. In regards to the storage, um, is that a cost to the client at all or the uh, the customer? Or is that a cost you guys cover because you had said it was kind of inexpensive-ish? Yeah, we, so what we've done, you know, and, and, and Greg, this, you know, the scope of this, but I mean, we have, we have some commercial application for this. Um, for the, for the guys who are monitoring 24, seven, 365, we're charging them 10 bucks a month. But what we said was for guys who are using this on the consumer side, really for barbecue, that that's going to be free. And I think we're going to probably settle on a data you know, usage plan, if you will. I think what we're going to say 
it's basically three months of the year, you know, worth of data, if you will, that will be totally covered. You know, so if you want to use it, you know, one, one whole week and then you take three or four weeks off or if you want to use it for three months straight, you know, that's fine. Or if you use it for, you know, one day a week, you could use it every single week, you know, something like that. Ted Conran joining me here on the show talking about the Fireboard, the website fireboard.io. So let me get back to the question I was going to ask you a couple minutes ago. I see a ton of Kickstarter projects. I have no idea what percentage get funded or go beyond and they become extremely popular versus the ones that just die right off the bat and and never go anywhere. Is this product 100% reliant on the success of the Kickstarter program or do you have like venture capitalists and head fund managers waiting in the wings in case this doesn't pan out? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, great question. We we are actually, and it, Kickstarter will range all across the board. I mean, you have some guys that are just starting out and they've, they have the idea, you know, they might have a prototype, but then you have other guys that are pretty much finished. You know, they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put a larger order together and that's really our case. So we've actually spent the last year and a half, you know, we've done research and development and we funded that. And so that's really, that's really great news. You know, we, we see this as a great product for the barbecue community. And so this is already, and we have guys field testing some of our early units now. Um, so the point of this campaign with Kickstarter is really just to batch together a large order and that way it kind of helps bring our our you know our cost down on that order ted i love asking this question specifically for the people that are wily enough to come up with something that could fit a niche you know having that investment slash finance pedigree that you do have for you know 10 14 years is there any forethought on your part into trying to come up with a product that might be positioned to sell off to a bigger company in the industry, for example, iGrill sold to Weber earlier in the year. You know, not a quick transaction by any stretch, but a sale nonetheless. Is that something that you would be open to, or that you're thinking you might like to build to at some point down the road? Well, yeah, and that's we've had that question before, and I, honestly, the answer is I just don't know. I I did not when I got into this start the company with the idea that we would sell it. You know, I think if there was the right partner that came along and if everything made sense, then I think we would definitely be open to it. Um, you know, there's some great companies out there, you know, that are building great products. Um, and honestly, <laughs> I joke with some of our friends, you know, we, my life would have been easier if I could have just bought a thermometer at the store. Right. So, <laughs> but, um, we've kind of gone off on this adventure but there's some great companies, you know, and, and maybe there's maybe there's an opportunity to partner up um, in the future. I don't know, but uh, at the time for the time being, it seems like I think really the last year I've seen a lot of development when this all the Internet of Things, you know, all these devices, these connected sensors, um, and I think what we're going to start seeing is a lot of, you know, like you saw Weber and grill manufacturers, pellet especially probably are going to be looking at companies building technology kind of like ours. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens there. Are there other products you have in the hopper that you would look to develop, uh, assuming the flagship product takes off and meets the benchmarks you have set for success? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what's exciting about it. You know, we've built we've really built the infrastructure because it's it's not only a thermometer, but we've built the whole infrastructure. You know, if you see the apps on your phone, you see and by the way, there's a there's a beautiful web front end that Stephen built that you can actually see all your real-time temperature, graphs, history on your desktop at the same time. Um, but that whole infrastructure is in place. So that's a nice scalable platform. You know, we've had guys ask us about their, you know, humidors and their wine coolers. You know, they want humidity tracking, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's a nice add-on. Um, and we actually have an auxiliary port built into our device. So we're, we're sort of waiting to, uh, to be able to do that, but that's going to be the nice, nice uh, addition to the fireboard, if you will. And then honestly, we can keep on adding on from there. I mean, there's on the commercial side, it's almost limitless, you know, there's cold storage tracking. So there's a lot of stuff when you get into temperature. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Ted Conrad is the founder of fireboard labs. There is again, 15 days left on the Kickstarter campaign. Um, I'll go ahead and link that up in the show notes as well. But if you want to see it here uh, in the next uh, handful of hours and you just can't wait, fireboard.io is the website that will link you over to Kickstarter as well. Ted, uh, Ted, I wish you success with the project, and thanks so much for coming on tonight. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate this. You got it. There he is. Ted Conrad. That is not the right screen that was supposed to be up here, but this is... Uh, I'm getting mixed reviews in the chat room on if... It's good if it's bad, if it's indifferent. Uh, six channels, remember, six channels. So, you know, the eye grill was, uh, I think, you know, up to two, maybe three. So at least triple the amount of inputs, if not more. You be the judge. I guess we have to see if it gets funded, right? We'll see. All right, let me talk to you quickly about the Pit Barrel Cooker Gang. Pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy and use. Who needs the hassle? But I strongly suggest a pit barrel cooker. The pit barrel makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile cooker on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that will turn out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork shoulders, and ribs, while also being able to ramp up in temperature to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. The versatility is all thanks to a revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. Their hook-and-hang method places the food in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie, if you will. The result is great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. We call that consistency where I come from. Not only is the Pit Barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy devil as well. It's built to withstand heat thanks to its a porcelain, anom- porcelain enamel finish, the PBC is able to stand up to any type of weather. Also extremely portable, it can fit in the back of most vans, trucks, and SUVs. It's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, and the pit barrel doesn't disappoint here either. From rubs to the unique removable ash pan, the pit grips, turkey hangers, the hinged grill grates, there's a full line of accessories that will really complete your pit barrel cooking experience. Here's the best part. For $299, the Pit Barrel comes fully assembled, ready to cook on, and it ships to your door for free. Don't take my word for it. The Pit Barrel is being given rave reviews from AmazingRibs.com. Top 10 rating in their gold division. That's the highest rating by anyone. So pay attention to that. Not 
once, not twice, but three years in a row. They've said time and time again, we're simply running out of good things to say about the simple, affordable smoker. There's nothing else like it on the market. Close quote. Head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com. That's pitbarrelcooker.com. See what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check out their collection of high-definition, short how-to videos. Then pick up one or two for yourself, and you'll thank me later. If you have any questions about what to buy extra or how you use them, maybe you're not having success and you're already a customer, hit them up on their website. Ask all the questions you want or call them, 502-228-1222, 502-228-1222, and they will talk to you. Find out what great service is all about. PitBarrelCooker.com. All right, we're back to wrap the first hour in minutes. Stick around. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we need to get this rocking and rolling to get out on time. Uh, all the way back in the first hour, Joe Haynes. John Dawson won the book from Joe Haynes, so John, be on the lookout for that. Virginia Barbecue is his book. Uh, pre-sale right now, Amazon.com, Noble, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, on shelves September 12th. Then we talked with Big Perm, Zilla's Pit Barbecue. Follow him on Instagram, Zilla's underscore pit underscore barbecue. Then the second hour, Jeremy Moyers, uh, Moyers Competition Barbecue Team, recapped his win in Kennesaw, Georgia this past weekend. We also found out he's a super mega country star. Congratulations to Jeremy on that. And in the second hour, I'm sorry, and then in the last segment, we talked with Ten Conrad from Fireboard. Fireboard.io. That's fireboard.io if you want to check it out or take part in his Kickstarter campaign. Uh, We have a huge show already lined up for next week, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.